0: Hello and welcome to The Lancet podcast. Richard Lane here and it's Friday, August the 27th. In this week's podcast, how important are high grades in science to becoming a good doctor? Just before that, some other content highlights from this week's issue, which is dated August the 28th to September the 3rd. The long editorial is a very striking read. It concerns China, specifically the plight of doctors in China who are often in very real danger, sometimes from their own patients. It also points out how doctors are not always highly valued in China and need to play a much closer role in the current reorganisation of the Chinese healthcare system. We also have short editorials concerning failing drug trials in Alzheimer's research and what makes a good doctor, linked to the art of medicine piece that we're about to focus on in a moment. In research, and most of these studies have been published online recently, Trastuzumab, commonly known as Herceptin, in the treatment of stomach cancer. Also a research article highlighting the potential value of specialist transport teams involved in paediatric intensive care. And encouraging results for a new strategy in treating hepatitis C with the publication of the START1 trial. A lot of correspondence this week responding to previous content about tuberculosis. Also look out for a seminar about gestational trophoblastic disease. Also a review about endometriosis and fertility. But let's focus this week on a fascinating essay under the heading The Art of Medicine. This is within the perspective section of the journal. How important are high science grades upon leaving school or high school? And what bearing does that have on becoming a good doctor later in life? An intriguing topic and earlier I spoke to the author of the essay in question, Dr. Donald Barr, on the line from the University of Stanford in California in the United States.
1: Hello, Richard. It's very nice to be speaking with you and to have the opportunity to discuss with you my essay, which, which I have chosen to title Science as Superstition. Now, this is Superstition in the Selection of Medical Students. I realize that's a somewhat provocative title, but I'm trying to make a point, and a point that it may actually be that despite our best intentions as physicians and as academicians, we may have been doing the the wrong thing for over a century in terms of how we select students for admission to medical school. Now, given that in the United States, the division between the undergraduate, pre-medical sciences, and then the formal medical education uh, is somewhat different than in the UK and in Europe. I'm going to address this issue of how do medical schools in the United States select among the many applicants for their students that they will train as physicians. Now, let us recall that this essay is under the topic of the art of medicine, and I think that's the point I wish to make, which is that the traditional selection criteria, i.e., how well did this student do in his or her undergraduate science curriculum, that criterion has no connection, no association that I can see with the art of medicine, with the practice of a great physician. Now, this is not to say that science preparation is without merit. Of course, one needs a threshold of scientific knowledge to be appropriate and and ready for training as a physician. But I have found no scientific evidence, now this may be social scientific evidence, but I have found no scientific evidence of of the ability of success in the natural sciences as an undergraduate to predict success as a practicing physician no association between performance in the natural sciences and artistic performance as a physician. The troubling part is that I have found repeated and validated scientific evidence that there may actually be an inverse association between how well one does in the study of chemistry, biology, and physics, and one's personal non-cognitive characteristics those characteristics of empathy, of, of compassion, of listening that make for greatness as a physician. And so my principal concern is that we take an honest, we, those in, in medicine, especially those in academic medicine, take an honest look at what we've been doing and to be sure that we haven't been acting on, on a belief which is actually unfounded Unfounded in scientific evidence. Now, of course, the Oxford English Dictionary defines such a belief as a superstition, and that's where I use the word superstition, meaning an unfounded belief. I'm just worried that we may have been relying on superstition, an unfounded belief in the value of science performance to predict the quality of one's career as a physician. And I would like medical schools to to simply rethink this whole association. As an example of some of the more forward-looking medical schools, I would like first to look at uh, McMaster University in Ontario, Canada. Many may be familiar with McMaster Medical School. They are the ones who some decades ago originated the problem-based learning pedagogy. Well, they've done something else as well. For a number of years, McMaster has not required any course prerequisites of their students. They have simply required a combination of two things. Academic ability measured in performance in any undergraduate curriculum, whether it be French literature, philosophy, or perhaps biology. They're they're indifferent. They just want to know what was the academic performance. Coupled with a new assessment tool, the multiple mini-interview referred to as the MMI, Um, and um, those who are interested can certainly read more about how this is done, but there's clear evidence that the MMI, a a compilation of several short interactions uh, under observed conditions, can say more about a person's innate psychological strengths and have more predictive ability in terms of how one will be able to interact with patients than any of the scientific scores. So McMaster has, 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 has documented this and validated this approach and has been selecting their students uh, for number of years based upon this. There's another very interesting program at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine that provides a, another example of taking an alternative approach. And it's interesting because the New York Times, a few weeks ago, had a front-page story about the Mount Sinai program in medical humanities. Under this program, the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City will select students as a sophomore, a second-year undergraduate student, on the condition that they have had no more than one year of science. They promise not to take additional science. They promise not to be a science major, but rather to focus their undergraduate studies in their personal interest in either humanities or social behavioral sciences. They use overall academic performance and indications of psychological characteristics, commitment, compassion, leadership to select these students. And then realizing that they haven't had a full complement of science courses, over the period of one summer, they give an intensive preparation in additional chemistry, physics, and so on. And they find that these students do just as well and sometimes even better as physicians compared to their classmates who have a more traditional science curriculum-based preparation. So I think these two schools, about Sinai School of Medicine in New York City and McMaster in Canada, have provided what is to me convincing evidence that by adopting these new, more holistic approaches to the selection of students and not abandoning, but de-emphasizing performance in the undergraduate sciences, one does not sacrifice quality and one may actually enhance quality when it comes to the art of medical practice. There are some changes that will need to take place before this approach to selection of medical students is more widely adopted. That change will need to be in the belief systems of those responsible at a range of medical schools, both in the United States and my understanding is in the UK and other European contexts, this discussion is ongoing as well. It's important to realize that belief systems can sometimes become deeply institutionalized, deeply embedded, and taken as if they were fact. There are, of course, numerous examples throughout history, but simply for those in in medical schools as well as undergraduate colleges and universities to be willing to stop, think about, and re-examine their own beliefs and and just to ask, is this in fact a belief which is scientifically based or do I need to rethink what I and what we have been doing? And I believe that rethinking process is now well underway. And I look forward in the next uh, five to ten years to an increasing array of schools of medicine and undergraduate institutions adopting this new approach. And I also believe that in the U.S., the Association of American Medical Colleges, the AAMC, the organization responsible for the medical college admissions test, will will also be taking a very serious look at this. So I feel quite positive that there's going to be more and more reassessment and reexamination of these decades-old beliefs, and I believe that we will over time, come to, a, to, to take a much broader look at the selection of students. And in doing so, we will, I believe, substantially enhance the art of medicine as practiced by future physicians.
0: Many thanks to Donald Barr and to you all for listening. See you next week.